You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. It's a victory edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fans. So glad to bring you Another hockey podcast edition of Spits and Suds. And joining me as he always does, I'm telling you, I love reading his stuff on his sub stock, uh, which is Shap Shots. And if you want to support Sean, that's a great way. As well as his book, We Win Here, you can read his stuff in D Magazine. As well as, what am I forgetting? EP ringside. EP, uh, yep, EP ringside. EP ringside. He's all over the place, and that's what you need to know. <laughs> and he's Sean Shapiro. How are you, my friend? I'm doing really well today, Gavin. It's uh, it's a good fr- it's, it's 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 a good it's a good Friday here. It's everything's good. So I'm doing well today. Yeah, that's and I appreciate that, man. It's always great to be here after a uh, victory, and we will get into that victory and dive in. But if you listen to Sean earlier in the week. When we were talking and I was promoting that we we're going to have uh, former two-time cup winner Brad Lukovich on, um, Sean said, ask him if he wants to talk about his name not being on the cup. So Brad and I were uh, texting back and forth and I you know, asked him, I said, hey, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, uh, but what are your thoughts on that? He's like, oh yeah, let's talk about that. He's like, seriously, I have no filter, whatever you want to talk about. Sean, it was I could have sat for another hour and listened to stories <laughs> from growing up with the Niedermeyers and playing hockey in Western Canada together in the neighborhood, and they had their own little gang. They actually had jackets. <laughs> it was like a West Side story of hockey um, to talking and asking that question. And I, I had a couple of because he let us know a lot of the things that we wanted to know about the '99 you know, cup team. And I wanted to play because I asked him the question you wanted. And this is how he found out that his name wasn't on the cup. I got, I got every, I got every single bit of it. I was a part of every single bit, except for that. That was kind of the, and I didn't know. (laughs) So I didn't know until we came back to Dallas and they have like a dinner uh, and the cup's there. So it's the Stanley Cup dinner prior. It's like a couple of days before the beginning of the season. We all go in and the cup's sitting there. It was like, uh, it was on 35. It was like a steak restaurant. And I walk in and the cup's sitting right there. And there's all these frames, like it's just a frame. And it's a, it's a zoomed in picture of the cup where your name is. And I'm like, I go in there and I'm looking. I'm like, what the hell? Mine's not there. So I kind of turn around and I see the guys and their eyes are like, my name's not on the cup. Like, no, I'm like, well, what the hell am I doing here? So I actually, I turned around, I left. I was pretty choked. I, so I don't, I don't, I, I didn't stick around for that dinner. I left. I got in trouble for leaving, but I left. Sean, how about that? That's, 
I did not know that story. That's wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you took part yeah. in the parade. You got yeah. your day with the cup. You got everything. So you're just assuming it. And you show up to this dinner and the uncomfortable feeling of these inv- special invitations with all of the players and you're not on there and players and personnel are looking at you like, wow, he doesn't know. I don't blame him for leaving. Yeah. And for people who don't know, right, like Brad Lukowicz played eight playoff games yes. during the 99 playoffs too. It's not like, um, in part, and like, it's not like we're talking about a guy who was a black ace and didn't play any playoff games or anything like that. Like he played eight playoff games. He played a third of the playoff games required for Dallas to win the cup. And honestly, like that was a playoff run where Darian Hatcher was suspended early in the playoffs. Yes. They needed a guy. They needed a guy to step up and he did and everything. It's uh, like, it would be akin to uh, like a modern day. Like, could you imagine if uh, what's a good example? Like, uh, Vegas wouldn't even like it would be kind of like if Vegas last year when they won the cup decided that they were not going to put Logan Thompson's name on the cup. Right. Even because he technically didn't meet the requirements, even though he had been even though he had been one their goalie in the regular season. Like it's similar to that of like a guy who was actually part of the run played games that helped you get to the top of the mountain. Yeah. And to find out that way, that's man, that's. Oh, that's rough. I know. I know. I, I And I say hockey has the best stories, and that's one of them. Yeah. I mean, the oversight of someone not to take him aside prior or call him and say, hey, this is up to you if you want to be here. But just letting you know, I wanted to confirm that you know that you're not on the cup. But we will do an invitation for you, and so everything will look as if you're on the cup because you were a major part of this. That just wow, wow baffles me. So the other story that I wanted to play a clip of. And by the way, the full podcast is up now, so you can listen to his days of playing hockey with Scott and Rob Niedermeyer. Just some unbelievable stories, uh, both in Tampa and Dallas. Um, You know, Ludwig chirping him on the podcast, which is pretty funny as well. So we all know that the cup ended up in the pool, but I did not know this side of the story as far as what happened to the cup. Sleeping in some other room, we get up in the morning, we're like, oh, we're going to be late for the parade. We got to get going. So we actually called a cab and there's a guy out front and the guy, and it was the DJ from the, from the Apple. I forget his name right, for, right now, but he, he's like, Hey, 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 you guys know the cups in the pool. Right. So we go out there, and sure enough, so we had to wake up. A couple of guys were like, hey, listen, we got to get that. So Sevy, thank goodness Sevy was still there because it was huge. So we jumped in. We grabbed the cup, and you, it was so full that you could, you'd you have to, like, lift it up under the water, but you could only push it so far, and then you, and then the next guy would go down. So they would one would go up, and they, they were doing this one. They finally get it to the edge. The two of them would just lift it up. They finally got it out, and it drained all the water out of the bottom. We grabbed that thing. <laughs> grab the cup guy we're like we gotta go the cup guy was sleeping so we grab him we throw it in the trunk we jump in a cab now we're late for the parade so we come we show up to valley ranch and i pull around the corner with my brother and i'm they're waiting they're texting us like where are you i'm like don't worry we're coming you'll be happy that we're just wait for us trust me you're gonna want to wait 
we pull up and Hitch is like, I can't believe you're late. Like you're the, of all the people, I'm like, Matt, my, my brother turns around and go, we got this. And then we, you know, oh, okay, come on. How about that, Sean? The Stanley Cup was almost not at the Stanley Cup parade. I love the fact that, uh, I love the fact that it, it can get waterlogged. That's something you never think about. No, with that trophy. I know. <laughs> the fact that the trophy itself can get waterlogged. Also, uh, Brad's hitch impression is impressive. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's, that's that's another that's uh, that's that's even more on this. Yeah. this, this, this that's 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 great stuff. Yeah, because I knew I knew the cup was in the pool. It ended up in the pool. Mm-hmm. What I had no idea, it stayed in the pool all night. Yeah, I, I want that keeper of the cup job. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how much? I, but I, I would probably you probably have to change that name of keeper to the cup. That just guy who brings the cup. <laughs> yeah, because I would think yeah. the keeper should know that it's been in a pool all night. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! All right. So the full uh, episode, which is about an hour, is pretty awesome, and it's on spits and suds. Please support us. And uh, Brad was uh, terrific for taking his time, and we're going to have him on again. So, Stars' big win last night, but, you know, Sean, one of the things that happened, hate to start with a negative, but a bit of a slow start, ended up down 2 to nothing, especially out of the gates, down 1 to nothing. Um, geez, before we even got to the 18-minute mark. Yeah, I mean, it was, and it's it's one of those things where I, I laughed. We It was a fun show that we did on Monday after the Boston game, right? Yeah. And we talked with David and... David, David kind of mentioned something, uh, kind of mentioned, oh, these things sometimes work themselves out. And, and you and I, and I kind of pushed back on the fact where, I don't know, we've always been told these things work themselves out and they, and they, and they, uh, and they, and they never do. So the, uh, the, the fact of the matter is, uh, it's, uh, this, this was a typical stars start and, as weird as it sounds, it's something that when you're watching this team play as much as we do and you cover this team and all that, like it just becomes part of the fabric of it, right? Like it's, it, it's kind of, and that's not a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's just, you're like, this is what's normal. They take 10 minutes to wake up and that almost like clockwork. They did it again last night. They're down two nothing, almost 10 minutes in. And then, and then finally wake up and play a hockey game. Like, it's it's one of those great questions that like I would love to see the like and, I, and once again I don't try to put everything on Jamie Ben and, and everything like that but like you look at the commonalities of it's not it wasn't it wasn't a Pete DeBoer thing it wasn't a Rick Bonus thing it wasn't a Jim Montgomery thing it wasn't a Lindy Ruff thing it wasn't a Ken Hitchcock thing the slow starts have been the entire define the entire Jamie Ben era and whether that's yeah. coincidence or causation, we'll never know, but he is the captain and the guy who's gets them going and everything like that. So it will be fascinating someday. And once again, I'm not trying to take drive-bys at Jamie Ben, but it's just a reality. You look at it. It will be fascinating to see someday whenever they're, when, whenever the next captain is in Dallas, whenever that is, it will be interesting to see how the team starts because that will be the great kind of tester of, was it something always in the water or was it maybe they needed a different guy giving the pregame speech? I don't know, yeah. but it's, 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 it's stars, slow start. There's we've talked about them so many times. I almost struggled to come up with a unique, unique way to talk about it now with them. Well, one of the oh. things, even before they hit the ice that I was surprised, I thought Ty Delandria and Wyatt Johnston were 
two of the better Stars players on the ice against Boston. And we pointed that out in the podcast to see Ty DeLandria not play. Um, you know, and I understand, you, you know, that's the thing about depth. You got guys, you got Radic Foxa coming back, which was great to see. But at the same time, um, you know, I thought DeLandria, you know, hopefully he'll get some reps this weekend because I think he provides a lot of energy and can provide that early energy that this team seemed to need. I was, I mean, the fact he came out was interesting to me. I thought DeLandria had been really, had been good lately. Um, and that you can argue who should or shouldn't have been in the lineup between him. You could talk about him and Sam Steele and yep. stuff like that. It, it, it was one of those situations where like, it kind of felt a little bit like, um, and not every coach has this philosophy, but it felt a little bit like you don't lose your job to injury. You know what I mean? Right. Like some coaches believe that like if you come, when you come back from injury, you come back in, you don't lose your job to injury. And so, um, and now Raddick Fox actually played well last night. So I want to give Raddick Fox credit, but going into the game, going into the game, it was one of those situations where you're like, if, do you want title Andrew erratic Fox applying now Fox coming back from injury? Maybe there's more of a philosophy. You don't lose your job to injury and things like that. But I thought Delandria based off merit and based off play should have still been in. And that's, that's something that, uh, I don't know. It just sounds a little bit of the slightly not wrong message, but to me, that's the type of guy you don't take out after how he played last time. Yeah. So. Uh, no, I, I agree. And Raddick Foxa was a major part as you talked on your, uh, yeah. chap shot sub stack. Uh, one of the things that we don't talk about, and that's what I love about watching games and stopping and rewinding and kind of taking notes, and that's what I love about Spits and Suds is we can break that down. Even though Craig Smith, who's been a really nice surprise for this Stars team, got the goal, it was Radic Fox on the breakout and the ability to carefully put the shot in the right place, which created that rebound, which you highlighted. Yeah, and it, it's one of those plays where it's, I think too often, one of the things that has kind of evolved in in the hockey world, and it's this is more of my commentary and viewing of things, um, is everyone who reaches the NHL now at some point was a goal scorer. That's just the reality. It's just like every guy who reaches the NHL at some point, they were the best player on their team, in their league, in their town, whatever. So they were goal scorers. And there's a lot of players who don't realize that they are no longer goal scorers when they get to the top league in the world. And so there's that, that, that break that two on one break against Columbus there. That's a play where Radic Fox is not shooting to score. The goal scoring mentality from that spot is you're picking, you're picking, you're shooting high. You're not shooting low on an NHL goalie from that spot. You're shooting high. Foxa could shoot high. He could shoot straight into the gut. He could shoot right and he could shoot glove side. He could try and score there. The play dies if he shoots high. Mm-hmm. If, if, if he shoots high, the play dies with a goal, unlikely, or a save, more likely. When you shoot, when you shoot low pad like he did, it's a play that the goalie is not going to control the rebound on. At best case scenario, it's going to be a well-placed rebound to the corner, but in general, it's hard to do that. And it's it's one of those plays that's kind of a bit of a lost art in the NHL now because too often guys come down there and they're shooting high and they're shooting to score Yes, when they should be thinking about 
the follow-up action and what this sets up for a teammate. And that's why I give Fox a ton of credit for the assist on that play where you come in from that spot. He's got all the time in the world, like intentionally took the one screen grab there where you see him and Martin square and he sees the play. He couldn't. And by waiting it out a little bit and shooting where he did, it opens the space for Craig Smith to go put the puck on the net. Really. I really like how Fox have played that. It's a simple, dumb thing, not dumb, but simple thing. That's how you create offense. And for a guy who is so hard on himself and beats himself so much, as much as anyone here who listens to this podcast has beat up Radic Fox, uh, Radic Fox has beat himself up 50 times more. I hope that that's the kind of the turning point for a guy who to kind of have that confidence to just kind of do stuff like that more and realize that I can still play my game and be part of this plan. Um, Because I think the coaching staff knows that. Um, because they don't look at contracts the way that we do all the time. Mm-hmm. That's not their job. They're the coaches. So kudos to Foxer for that. And hopefully from that perspective, it gets him going because that's really what you need for them to, to a deliver on value and B help with kind of everything else. Who knew when the stars signed Matt Duchesne that we'd be having the conversation where the stars aren't the same without Duchesne. I mean, inserted back into the lineup, and we saw the effect it had on Mason Marchment uh, with a big goal down two to nothing, and Mason Marchment scores, um, and once again Matt Duchesne showing why Jim Nil he's making Jim Nil look good. So is Craig Smith yeah. making Jim Nil look good. These are terrific offseason additions. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a good. Duchesne, a we always talked about Duchesne kind of being that superb value off the buyout at three million dollars per year, and he's really he he's really done I think even more than we kind of expected. Um, we talked about it on this show before about the Stars don't coming into this season. One of my concerns with the Stars is they don't have the in zone puck protectors, right? We talked about the puck protection in transition, but in zone, it was something that they were lacking. And Duchesne has kind of evolved his game a little bit and added that. And it's opened up space for, we saw it open up space for Marchman the other night. And he still has the uh, ability to put the puck in the net. Obviously, I'm not, if I'm Columbus, I'm a bit peeved at Spencer Martin for the how the, the rebound slipped yep. through on the breakaway goal. But then, but just kind of, the, the chance creation, the awareness, like a lot, like the Matt, the Duchesne signing has really delivered. And it's interesting to kind of watch this game against Columbus, then go back to the Boston game and kind of see what was missing. And uh, it's noticeable. So it's, yeah, get me back on track, Kevin. No, no, I I, <laughs> I love it. The third thing, the third, one of the things you also talked about on your sub stack, which is Shap Shots is the play of Nils Lundqvist and the mm-hmm. terrific pass that led to another Stars goal. Uh, and Lundqvist finished with two assists and continues his solid play. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I I'm glad the the second the second assist he had, the the shot that was tipped by Sagan, that's kind of more in his quote unquote wheelhouse offensively. But I really loved the play to set up, even if it wasn't a goal, I really loved the play that set up the 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 Duchesne goal because it's it's one of those plays where when Lundquist last season was essentially discarded and became a healthy scratch for the final third of the regular season and all of the playoffs and everything, it was because he wasn't doing things like this. He was not defending with his feet. He was not attacking at the blue line. He was making, he wasn't making smart decisions. And last night before the the goal that Duchesne scores, he plays it well. He he's well positioned. He defends with his feet against Jake Bean. Um, he there's some little subtleties in his game on that spot where he's technically it looks like it for a second he's giving Bean kind of the lane but at the same time he's taking away the more dangerous pass with his stick and as Bean hesitates he closes in kind of stuffs the play out and for as much weight room work as Nils Lundqvist can do he's never going to be massive and Jake Bean kind of gets the better end of the physical hit at the end as they tumble together but Lundquist's work to stuff the play out with his feet, with his stick leads to a goal, the other end for the stars. And those are the, that's the type of play where even if a goal hadn't been scored, that's the type of play that will continue to keep Lundquist in this, in this, in this defensive core. And we won't get back to the spot of, Hey, we need Joel Hanley in the lineup because he defends better and things like that. Like I thought it was a big night for Lundquist on that spot, especially coming off. And I, I don't think Lundquist was, was, bad per se against Boston, but just there's times where as a player and as someone who's highly under the microscope, like he is, you have to have games like this to keep reminding people of what makes you, um, of, uh, kind of what makes you best, most effective and long-term potential at the same time. You know, we, we always talk about the scoring, but one of the things that we sometimes, uh, and that's why we like doing this spits and suds deep dive is, the little things that add up. Johnny Gaudreau, no shots on net last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we take a step back and we, the Johnny Gaudreau sweepstakes, this is the second year, um, mm-hmm. was massive. Everyone thought New Jersey, Philadelphia, uh, will he stay in Calgary? And Johnny Gaudreau chooses Columbus. You know, good for him. Gets the contract he wants, but it, it just hasn't clicked yet for uh, and and the jackets are really young, but I was yeah. shocked to see that their top player had no shots on net. And even watching the game, it was like, wow, Johnny Hockey, man, you would think that they'd either focus to get him a shot on net or he'd try to create something so he could get a shot on net. Well, and this comes what is it two games or one game after he was benched for the entire third period, Correct. right? So um, it's. It's kind of one, of, and I don't like, and I, I don't know Goudreau well enough to 
to, to I, I've, I haven't covered the Blue Jackets or the Flames on a, on a daily basis. So I don't know Goudreau well enough to know what makes them tick, for lack of a better word. But based off my viewing, he's not the guy who takes a benching that it's not the benching that ticks him off and and and, and moves him on and, and 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 gets him fired up for the next time or whatever. I don't know. I could I'm just looking at what I can view as an outside observer. I don't maybe there's something else there that I don't know and I'm missing, but it's um Johnny Goudreau, it kind of reminds me Johnny Goudreau and Columbus, and they're a young team, and I think there's some potential, especially I think Fantilli's yeah, Fantilli's, Fantilli's good. Be, Fantilli's going to be really good. Um, I've always been a Jenner but, fan. Yeah, and but Goudreau is like he's got a he's got incredible job security and comfort, and playing in a market now where there's really no just him just choosing Columbus was a big enough win already. Like you can play off that for for a long, long time. Like it just. He seems like a player who could easily fall into complacency. And that's just, I'm not trying to be an old school, like, oh, he did this or that or whatever. Just like, it's, he's going to make what, 9.75 million per year or something like that for each of the next seven years. And that's not going anywhere. And it, it just feels like a, potential set setup for complacency to just kind of play out the stretch. I hope I'm wrong because he's yeah. a really fun player when he plays well. But I mean this season combined with last night, like it's there's it's it's amazing, Gavin. I know plus minus isn't the greatest stat, but like it, it's amazing. So 21-22 season, right? Goudreau leads the league in plus minus with Calgary. Plus 64. 64 plus 64. That's yeah. crazy, right? Wow. It is crazy. Then the next year in uh the the next his first year in Columbus minus 33 that's a drop in plus minus of 97 <laughs> like, like that's and if you include the minus threes at this year he's at minus 100 over the last last two years since he left Calgary like it is a remarkable turn of events for a player who left who picked who 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 left Calgary and, and did all this like it's 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 I know this is a Dallas Stars podcast but you're it's just it's amazing to think about just from a further larger hockey perspective as someone who watches this game all the time yeah I think so. they're one of two teams that haven't made it to a uh to a conference final try to think of the other that sounds that sounds right yeah um, yeah, and, and by the I mean, way, I mean, I mean, obviously, are we counting Seattle in there? Like, I think yes. there's like, yes, Seattle yeah. I mean, and obviously Columbus. Seattle's Thank not, you. But, Seattle and Columbus no. are the two. Now, I, I will say this: um, it is a smaller market, but kudos to their fans. They show up, they love their jackets, and they have not been given the most to cheer for. So, I hope it works in mm-hmm. Columbus. Uh, I'm biased because I'm a Pascal Vincent guy, <laughs> and I want yeah. I want him to get the coaching <laughs> shot, which he's getting. And you know they're a young team, so hopefully there is patience in Columbus. So I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you this, Sean, as well, because and please correct me. So Adam Deacon, one of our Spits and Suds listeners, uh, tweeted me last night. What's your take on the Stars' top line? Really not firing on all cylinders and looking very lackluster. So I pulled the stats for the year. Pavelski, 12 games, 12 points. And uh, Robertson, 12 games, uh, 10 points. And Rope Hintz, 11 games, 11 points. So 
point-wise, and I think, are they what they were last year so far? No. But at the same time, I wanted to get your take on this because what I wanted to explain is is that teams are now hyper-focusing on that top line. When you have the depth that the Stars do, you know, their top defensemen are going up against, and their top defensive players a lot of times are going against that star's first line. That opens it up for the other lines. Is that a fair assessment? It does. I mean, it it is fair. Um, they've also, I want to make sure I pull this up here too. Um, they also have, I don't think they've been, they haven't been as good as they were Yes. last year but i also think everything kind of comes with a sliding scale right like i just pulled up you take a look at it right now you, you kind of looked at you noted their individual stats but um this year they've been the the stars most frequent line together right no they've got at even strength they've got 114 minutes played together so far in 11 games um the only no other line is that is even above 90 minutes. The next closest line is the Johnston Ben Dadanov line at 89 minutes played together this year. And in the time they've been on the ice, like it's been, they've had 52 scoring chances for 49 against. Um, it's been pretty, pretty even as far it's been kind of even. And last year it, it was tilted more. And so I have a hard time calling them, calling them bad i just i think right now there's kind of a lack of finishing more so um and but it it is something where they've played together every game and it is something well not every game except for opening night when hints was was not was not there right um it is it is it is something where you just kind of go down the path and you wonder not long term to break it up because I don't think I'm not a fan of, of of that, but I do wonder as you kind of go down things like long term, is there the occasional split up in a game that works to just kind of hit the reset button? Like yeah. I wonder if that kind of would be. I wouldn't do it for a full game. I wouldn't even do it for a full period. I just think I wonder if there's the occasional time offensive zone draw, defensive zone draw, whatever scenario you play where you just break some things up just to kind of hit that force reset button. Cause I think that can do wonders sometimes. Yep. Um, people don't realize it. I think that's just one of those things where one defensive zone draw, where all of a sudden um, hypothetical defensive zone draw, hypothetically you throw out uh Raddick Fox out there with Robertson and hints instead of Pavelski. That's obviously not going to be a line you go with long-term, but all of a sudden Robertson and hints play with Foxa for a shift changes things up. Like it can be that force reset that I think maybe could be, be used and probably should be in the coach's bag at some point here. So, yeah. Interesting. Duchesne probably wouldn't be that much of a curveball because no, no. And I don't, yeah. And, and same thing with like Sagan, who was, uh, yeah. um, kind of the same style. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I understand what you're saying. And that would be an interesting coaching, uh, adjustment to see. All right. So moving ahead, day off today, a couple of afternoon tilts as we have a couple of Central Division games tomorrow in Winnipeg. That is a 2 p.m. local start. And then they 
fly to Minnesota and finish up against the uh, Wild. Sean, you were correct as far as the Jake Ottinger getting the game in Columbus. And do you see Wedgwood going Saturday? What's your What's your look? And by the way, I do yeah, want to yeah. I do want to say also real quick because I forgot to put this. You know, when you have Jake Ottinger, I understand two early goals and everything like that. But then, you know, you have to look at the whole game. And those those two goals, you know, the first one was a little bit of a deflection, kind of a quirky goal. The second one was an odd man breakout. But, you know, he made some key saves in this. You know, I mean, when you finish the game and you've only allowed two goals, you give your team a hell of a chance to win. Yeah, it's um, there's something about it. It's, it's present. Um, it's I'm trying to remember the game and I, and I'm trying to remember the exact story and I can't remember, but there's a famous story about Patrick Waugh, right? Where from the, uh, it's from the, it's either the 86 or 93. This would be a good Luds question. I keep giving you homework here. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's either, it's either eight from either 86 or 93. Um, when they, they won the cup. And there's a story about Patrick Waugh that I've heard told by people before about how, there would be times where he would they'd be losing or whatever. They'd be in the locker room or whatever. And he would just tell the team. Another one's not getting in. Give me two. Like you like you like you're not going to have to do any more like like we could be down two one right now, but another one's not getting in. And that is a elite best goalie in the world type mentality that some thrive on and some get shaken on um jack campbell who i really hope for jack campbell the Me person because he's a really great person and i know he's struggling with uh he's been struggling with the oilers and has had some personal life struggles that he's been open up a little bit more about when he was in toronto and everything and but jack campbell is a goalie who mentally has always struggled with you let up two goals and it turns into four jake ottinger lets up two and he has that natural everything for Jake, everything resets every whistle for Jake Ottinger. Like if you if you ever want to kind of watch Jake Ottinger, it's kind of a cool experiment. If you watch goalies, um, and it's impossible to see the complete, but if it's possible to see the internal of a person, but the external. Um, goalies often live, and it's very cliche to say this, but goalies often can live whistle to whistle, where it goes, you're locked in, you're hyper-focused, whistle goes, and that's when you take a you take a twirl to the corner, you take a drink of water, and everything is at moment zero at that point, and it just resets. Um, I don't know any baseball pitchers super well, so I, I would imagine maybe there's something similar for baseball pitchers. That's just me speaking out of my ass. But um, but Ottinger has that. He lets up a goal. He lets up a goal. The Stars score at the other end. Puck goes out of play. He makes a great glove save. Jake Ottinger has the same, does the exact same thing every whistle. And that natural reset to me is just a, like kind of an embodiment of how well he doesn't let what happened before impact him either positively or negatively. He's always on that line of I'm going to stop the next shot. And that is why the stars have been able to continue to get away with slow starts in this Jamie Ben era. That's why they, because of Ottinger, mm-hmm. because of what Ben Bishop did. 
during some of the lean years, we saw how much it could break Kari Lettinen, how much it broke some of Kari Lettinen's backups. Like, it is a incredible asset the Stars have in in, in Ottinger that it, it's like it's terribly cliche to say, but it's just true. Like, he doesn't let your problems snowball. And if the Stars had a snowball goalie, um, Spencer Martin last night. Spencer Martin's a fine story, and he plays well, played well last night, but. There's there are some goals last night where he allowed Blue Jackets problems to snowball. The Duchesne goal. He's got to stop that one. You can't let that trickle through. Yeah. Things like that where Ottinger doesn't do that. I mean, like I went through it. I still I still have a hard time finding more than one bad goal that Ottinger let up this year. Um, the four on four goal in the first game against Columbus, the one that kind of trickled through him. But in that same game against Columbus, he makes one of the saves of the year on that yeah. kind of uh, on that glove save. Yeah, he's home. dialed in. So. I'm, this is just me singing praise to Jake Ottinger. I so. love it. He deserves it. No, he he absolutely uh, deserves it. All right. Before we let you go, um, two quick hitters uh, from around the NHL because we love to talk about uh, some things happening around uh, the league. Okay, so on a previous podcast, when Andrew um, Manciapani cross-checked while on the ground, Jared McCannon, of the Seattle Kraken, McCann was in a similar spot as Mark Stone didn't do anything to provoke it. And we said, that's a replica of the Jamie Benn situation mm-hmm. in the playoffs against Vegas. Jamie Benn gets two games in a yeah. high leverage situation. And Sean and I were saying at least two games, NHL comes out just one game. What were your thoughts? I mean, the sliding scale, and I hate that there is a, uh, I don't like the sliding scale at times, but it definitely, uh, it should apply where you're like, okay, two playoff games. That's, that should be a four. That should have been a four gamer. Like yeah. that, that should have been a, that should have been a four gamer. Um, that's, I, I, I was, I was, I was amazed that it was only one game. That's. I thought at minimum you had the easy comp of, well, you could look what happened with Ben and Stone and just go two, even though it would have been wrong. Still shouldn't need to be more, but it, I, I don't get how that's only one game. And then how at the same time, and now Charlie McAvoy should have been suspended, right? Like I, I'm not disagreeing with Charlie McAvoy right. being suspended. And he for got four, four. Games. Yeah. He got four, but at the same time, you're like, Okay, when Charlie McAvoy is appealing his suspension to try to get it down to three games, and I can see why Charlie McAvoy would want to appeal when other things like this are only getting one game. Like the the scales of justice are very wonky here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was almost an exact replica. I mean, higher stakes in the playoffs, but and that's such a dangerous play that two handed you know, cross check against the neck. That is so dangerous, you know, especially when the player's on the ground and and defenseless. The other thing that I wanted to mention is two of Gavin's teams are tanking right now, Edmonton and Toronto. And I'm not going to give up on them, Sean, but those to me are massive stories. And for those that don't know, the Toronto Maple Leafs are very similar to the Dallas Cowboys or the New York Yankees in that the center of the hockey universe as far as press and articles, everything in Canada, it's major Maple Leafs. So for what's happening there, and then 
We go to Edmonton with the greatest player in the game and what's happening there. I mean, just massive stories, Sean, as far as these teams not being able to get going. I thought the Leafs looked amazing early in the season, but these teams are on just major losing streaks. It was the Super Bowl last night. It was it was it was 32nd versus 31st between San Jose and yeah, Edmonton. Yeah. The Oilers the Oilers lost to the Sharks. That, who, uh, that is just amazing. And I I mean, we talked about the Sharks being rock bottom, back-to-back games where you allow 20 combined goals in back-to-back games. If that's rock bottom, what are you if you're the team that loses to that team and you have the best player in the world? That's I uh, it's I, the Edmonton, the Edmonton situation is, I I think the long-term implications in Edmonton are more potentially disastrous than the ones in Toronto, because this Toronto team is kind of built to be a one-year experiment anyway, right? Like um, Max Domi, Tyler Bertuzzi, John Klingberg. Um, they loaded up on guys on these one-year deals um, just and kind of left themselves the ju- the wiggle room to to figure it out and, and make up for it. Edmonton is more so of this type of season, the seeds of doubt and everything like that. Like, at some point when do you start to push away Connor McDavid or in Leon Dreisaitl's commitment to the planet Edmonton? Obviously it's not something where they can walk right now. They both have extended time on their deals right now. Like let's see, uh, they both, they both have multiple years left on their deals and everything like that. But at some point, if you're, and I'm not even saying you could trade them or whatever, but like Dreisaitl in particular, right? That's the easy one to talk about. He's got, He's under contract this year and next year. Like mm-hmm. if are the seeds of doubt for dry that it's that Edmonton is part of the plan. And right. so is he going to try to exit after next season? And if, if he doesn't think the plan is working in Edmonton, what does McDavid think when yeah. McDavid's going to be in McDavid's got uh, signed for one, one year beyond what dry signed for the, uh, the Oilers, not being able to deliver a cup based off all of the first round picks they had based off getting yeah. all of this, them not being able to deliver a cup in the McDavid era, McDavid dry era and everything like that. Following what happened with uh, when they had Taylor hall and all that other stuff. Like it's one of the, it's going to be one of the great failures in hockey history Absolutely. To not for them to not, to not win a cup. And, and I kind of feel for Jay Woodcroft because I think, you know, I think the Oilers yeah. have had some good runs in the playoffs too. Um, mm-hmm. And just all of a sudden, and you know, the, the guy that I'm looking at, Sean, if, if this continues for the Oilers is Matthias Ekholm. And mm-hmm. the reason I say that is, you know, big trade last year, acquire him. He's got, after this season, two more years left, and this would take some finagling as far as did I say that right? Finagling, but finagling, finagling. finagling there yeah. you go, close <laughs> enough. Finagling as far as his contract, but two years after this, at six point two five, that's a pretty good defenseman that you could put around the trade deadline and get some. I think you could get some assets back. Yeah, and he's got 
He's got the really weird uh he's got partial retained salary too. Like it's it's something along the lines of like some silly number with the retained salary that Nashville kept. Not a lot, just a little bit. So um but I I could definitely see him in play. Um it's also gonna be this is the other question on all of this is if you're the Oilers have you is have you have you is it time to give up on Ken Holland because Ken Holland has shown um Ken, Ken Holland was part of the he's actually in the hockey all the fame already yeah um and he's and, the one that and, built and, Detroit yeah him and others like, him and others but Ken Holland has never had success in the salary cap era. Right. Ever. Interesting. Yeah, that's a great and, point. And so like the the Detroit team, even the Detroit team that even his last Detroit team that won in 2008, um, that team that was technically, technically that team was technically in the salary cap era, but that team was still largely built before the, before the cap went into place. It was kind of, you were still, it was kind of a weird area where, so since we've lived in the full cap era, the Red Wings, we see the hole the Red Wings have had to dig themselves out of because Ken Holland couldn't manage a salary cap team. We've seen the Oilers in his four plus years there been unable to take advantage of having the best player in the world in the salary cap era. And it's something that I think Stars fans should probably just think about. And it's I'm not just like, and this is not to just like completely kiss ass on Jim Nill, but just Jim Nill is a GM who has figured out the cap era. He thinks about the cap. He manages it properly. He does a lot of things right in that way. I Ken Holland is someone who's came in at the right time in Detroit, was able to flex some money that, that the Red Wings allowed, but there was no system that kept everyone on the even playing field. And when that happens, it exposes flaws. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, your insights are amazing. Uh, Shap shots. You can sign up and get Sean's thoughts on the stars. EP ringside D magazine. Great book for the holiday season called we win here. A real cool look at some Texas star stories as well as some Dallas star stories. So, the good shopping for the stars fan in your life to uh, pick up uh, Sean's uh, book. And uh, also wanted to highlight once again, we had Brad Lukovich on yesterday and he was tremendous. We played it at the beginning of the podcast. Here's my radio recall again, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) So we had that, but I also wanted to point out last week, we also had Jeff K on and Jeff's a good dude. Does great job, Sean, with uh, the PA and he's also the voice at AT&T Stadium now for the Cowboys. But yeah. it's, you know, it's so funny when you get feedback from different interviews. And the Jeff K interview got a ton of feedback as far as inside what he has to go through as far as game notes, pronunciations. By the way, Sean, um, he was told it's Dodonoff and yeah. Permiro, and I think this is American, it's Haskinen. However, I will give the caveat to Spitz and Suds listeners that one Sean Shapiro flew over to Finland and got the correct pronunciation of 
or the Finnish pronunciation of Heishkinen. Is that correct, sir? That is how it has been pronounced when I'm in Finland. Yes. I mean, one of my favorite Finland stories is the time of... Uh, so it's... Gavin, how do you pronounce number 26 who's hanging in the rafters? Letnin. It's close. Um, I was at the Hockey Finland offices in Finland, and I'm talking to the front receptionist, and I asked to see... I asked to see Yuri and uh, they're like, and I pronounced it so bad. They had no idea who I was talking about. It's Yuri Lettinen is, is, is what it is, is, wow. is how it's pronounced. Yuri Lettinen. And that's me attempting to do it properly in Finnish. And I can't, but that's still is that's as close as I can get. And it is amazing how uh, some of these uh, names come over and we try to pronounce them. And, and just like, we don't know how to, read them in american sometimes like for example i uh i, I do my best whenever i write about yanni hakenpa i try to make sure i get the the umlauts over the a's right? yeah impressive i didn't i didn't grow up seeing that and seeing oh i have to pronounce that a differently because of the umlaut like it's it's one of those things where with, with these with the names guys coming over and into a country and everything like that that is uh so Jeff's my moral of the story is Jeff's job isn't easy to get it right in right. front of 18,000 people each night. So, yeah. and he does a good job. So, but, but you realize Sean, that everyone listening, including this guy now realizes that they're called umlauts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to act smart, but I'm like, Ooh, they're called umlauts. See, this is the kind of stuff you learn on spits and suds, even the host. <laughs> All right. You're a beast. You got This has go. been, this has been the grammar hour. <laughs> absolutely talking some hockey sharing some laughs stars win big weekend ahead my friend we will talk to you soon and for spits and suds listeners please subscribe so that way it comes right to your phone because we're producing all these episodes and so that way you don't have to chase and say oh my god or miss an episode because we got some great interviews upcoming too i'm really excited about the uh upcoming weeks uh, Hannah Bilka, who's playing in the uh, USA versus Canada, uh, kind of tourney scrimmages, and uh, uh, they're on the West Coast, and she's going to join us in a couple of weeks, hopefully. She's now playing for Ohio State, leading scorer, and she'll be playing professional hockey next year. So we're really excited to talk to the Capel native uh, and some more great guests upcoming right here on Spits and Suds. Have a great day, everyone, and we will talk to you this weekend.